Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. There's no twist here. It's just the Awards Radar podcast. Can you guess if we've seen old or not? Um, We'll talk about it later, even though it's kind of old news now. But that's enough of those puns because I can hear people's eyes rolling already. Uh, In any event, I'm Joey. And we've got a smaller group here today. It's just Miles and Steve. So, Miles, say hi, and you can have an extra 10 seconds because we're not pressed for introduction time. Oh, uh, hi. I haven't seen old. I don't really plan to. I've heard it's fine. <laughs> That's my bit. Steve? Uh, quite the hello. Uh, I have not seen old. I plan to. And, oh, yeah, I'm Steve. Hello. Hmm. So what better moment to jump right into Ryan McDermott's uh, Filmaholic Face-Off than the M. Night Shyamalan one? Oh, great. Uh, All right. The Sixth Sense or Unbreakable? Oh, man, a tough one right off the bat. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, The Sixth Sense is a classic for a reason. I think it's far and away the best film he's ever done. Uh, It's one of the few movies he's done where the twist actually enhances things rather than detracts from things, but also the movie would work perfectly well if it wasn't even there. Uh, Great performances. It's great. Unbreakable is great too, but I do think the last like five minutes does diminish my like my liking of it a little bit. And also the sequels don't help. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. I'm going to look at it as a standalone piece, but I'll say unbreakable. I, uh, I enjoy it. So I'd rather revisit that. I think, I think I've kind of, Especially with all the parodies and, you know, constant I see dead people talk for the last, what, 20 years. Um, Unbreakable seems like it'd be a nice fresh rewatch, so I'll go with that. Fair enough. I'm going to go Sixth Sense. They're both good. Sixth Sense is way better, I think. I, I just, I liked Unbreakable less than most. I still don't have any major complaints. It just never, like, hit me in the way it hit people. Sixth Sense, you watch it and you go... Yeah, I get it. Whether you, you know, were there opening weekend or you're catching up to it now, like it, it holds up. It's there's a reason we were so high on on night for so long, mm-hmm. and it's it's that film. Which if I was going to recommend, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. If I was going to recommend a film to someone for someone else to watch, it would be The Sixth Sense. Uh, for the reasons bad. you said. No, The Sixth Sense is is all of his best traits. Like on display, and really none of his worst. Unbreakable. That ending is the first sort of hint at like, okay, this twist thing could be a double-edged sword for him. Like, if he's not on with it, you're gonna it's gonna diminish what you've already seen. If you're with his twist, it's gonna enhance. So it's you know, there's a little bit of eye of the beholder there. Speaking of signs or the village. <sighs> okay, so people often refer to both of these as evidence that like oh he still had it for a little while i I don't like either of them like kind of at all um i think signs you know the twist doesn't ruin the movie it just makes it super stupid um (laughs) the village the twist does ruin the movie uh i guess i'll say signs but it's a very half-hearted pick hmm it's funny when I hear all these films, I, I, I realize I haven't revisited much of his stuff. I know the six, no. sixth sense several times. 
and Unbreakable at least twice. But Signs in the Village, I haven't. And Signs, the main reason is is the twist. I, just, I thought it was so stupid that it, it it just made me not want to watch the rest of the film again. Uh, although I thought the first two-thirds were fantastic. So maybe someone should help him and just like steal the film away um, in mid-direction. Just his third act. Yeah. Just be, hey, huh. take, a, take a vacation. We'll, we'll call you back when it's in, on... Uh, Back in theaters. Um, I'm going to go with The Village. I didn't love it, but I didn't dislike it as much as a lot of people did. And I think visually, uh, there's something more there than there is in, in uh, Signs. So let's go with The Village. I'm going to go Signs. I think they're both mostly good movies. So I think Signs is a better movie. I think The Village... I mean, so Signs, the problem is the twist is ridiculous. Like, there's just no way to logically make that work. There's, you just, anyone, it's like if we were traveling to planets, like, oh, this one planet is like 97% fire, just on fire. Yeah. I think we, yeah, let's go there anyway. We can handle that. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Oh no, I'm burning. This isn't working oh, out. No. Yet. I, oh no! A glass of fire knocked off the counter onto my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. What were the odds? Yeah. Seventy-five percent sulfuric acid. Twenty-five percent just uh, like the feeling you get after sex. It's a really good chance that you could still just have that feeling, but the other stuff will melt you to death. Hey guys, so, I'm lactose intolerant. I'm about to go invade this planet made of cheese. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, and it rains. But milk. I think up until then. I think the atmosphere of it all is very good. I think the village has that too, but you spend so long assuming it's got to be something like that twist wise that when it is, you're like, Oh, well, here's a question about all of his films, but uh, mainly the village, because I think the village you go in, you're expecting the twist. You, it, it, there's no way there's not going to be a twist. You can almost sense it. And then it happens. If you went in, if you handed this, called it, you know, the movie handed to somebody who hasn't seen it or heard of it, and let them watch it. Would they enjoy it? I think. I think the problem is with with uh, Shyamalan is that his name is attached to it all. If he had a pen name, yeah. maybe people would enjoy his stuff a lot better. At least some of it. I mean, so you, so here's the thing. If we look at his career for a, a brief second, early stuff before the Sixth Sense, not really twisty. I think. I think Wide Awake is interesting. I've never seen Praying with Anger. Um, did a rewrite on She's All That for those who don't remember. And is the accredited writer on Stuart Little. But Sixth Sense establishes this version of Night. Unbreakable kind of confirms it. Signs, I guess it looked like it might not have been a twist movie. Even though logically you had to think it would be. So when it did have that sort of kind of twist to it, you, you definitely went into the village knowing there had to be something. And I think, I think there's something to be said for maybe if it wasn't him. That, like, sci-fi channel special about the buried secret of M. Night Shyamalan or something didn't help either, if we're being completely honest. Because that's when the turn happens. I think also I think also for me, The Village is sort of the point where the issues with his writing are really starting to crop up to a worse degree. Because it, yeah. you take a, cause The Village has an amazing cast, 
but nearly all of them kind of come across as really kind of flat and stilted because the dialogue is just kind of really bad for most of it. And or if I they're that, doing something, it's like Adrian Brody, and you're like, you're doing something there. Yeah, but... it's some questionable choices. But I think the problem is that stuff, the village for me is the turning point where that stuff is starting to overwhelm the good things that he's doing with his direction. There's some interesting costume and uh, you know set design work in that movie, but I think the dialogue and sort of the story beats are really starting to take over to the point where I don't even think the first two thirds are that good before you get to the twist. Whereas yeah. with signs, at least there's some decent tension and build up before he ruins everything. And of course, because it was financially successful, was I think the first film of his in the new realm to not get like very good reviews. Signs, I think still was pretty well reviewed. The village was the first like, Oh, we're starting to ding him for it. And then, you know, Lady in the Water came next, and that was a disaster. And then The Happening was an even bigger disaster. Though you would have thought it would have been a return to form. Um, and then you have, like, The Last Airbender after Earth. Like, where you're like, maybe he shouldn't, like, work anymore? And I know The Visit kind of brings him back a little bit. Split. Mostly as well-liked. Glass. Meh. And now we're up to old, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, uh... Yeah, there was a there was definitely a turn. So let's finish up this one. Um, the Happening or The Last Airbender? I'm going signs if I didn't mention it already. Uh, I mean, The Last Airbender is one of the worst fucking movies ever made like in the history of mankind. So I have to go with The Happening by default. It's It kind of works as like a, a funny, like so bad it's good kind of movie. It is certainly a how did this get made movie. Very much so. Like Mark Wahlberg playing a science teacher... It's a terrible performance, but it's definitely a watchable performance. It's a lot of... What? What? No. no. Why are you stealing that... my lemon drink? Yeah, it's... it's what? It's a very no. ridiculous movie, but it's at least entertainingly ridiculous. And but... oddly, they, they told Zoe Deschanel to play drugged? Like, I, I still don't know what she's doing in that movie, and I like her a lot. It's I mean, it reads that way for sure. But yeah, Last Airbender yeah. is just crime against humanity and i haven't even seen the show it's based on it's just terrible on its own merits yeah um i'm gonna go with the happening simply because i think um it's it's a it is so bad it's good i think it would be a great midnight movie or a mystery science theater uh film subject because i think there's so much there to uh to rib on that that you can enjoy that way but the the last airbender i don't think you can enjoy there's nothing no it's it's impossible to enjoy um, I will go the happening, even though I do call it the crappening. It's like it's ridiculously bad, but I think I also I was looking forward to the happening. It's like this will get him back on track, and I think it was like there were rumors at the time, like oh it's super violent, like it was just it sounded like okay he's gonna be all mean and like take out his frustration on critics on this movie. I'm like okay cool let's let's do something different. I love Zoe Deschanel, like the concept at least seemed interesting. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, oh no, no. Um, so let's wrap up with The Visit or Split. Uh, it's got to be Split for me. I never saw the fuss about The Visit. It was just kind of whatever found footage movie. Um, split, it's a B movie and it's got some rapey stuff in it that I really wish wasn't in there. Um, but James McAvoy's performances are out of this world and I think that does a lot to elevate the movie beyond most of the rest of his stuff fair hmm. uh, I like both um, I'm going to go with Split though I, I agree with what Miles had said 
Um, McAvoy's incredible in it. The rest of the cast does a great job. And I, being a fan of Unbreakable, I did like the twist. So. Um, I'm indifferent to Split. I never saw The Fuss. I know I'm in the minority, but it didn't do anything for me. The Visit is, like, aggressively okay. So they're they're both sort of forgettable to me. I'll, I'll go The Visit just to split it up, but the honest answer is I, I just don't care. And that uh, kind of infuses a little bit of what we're talking about with Old. Um, there's some really good moments. Like, I think the uh, once they're on the beach for a little bit it's pretty good the beginning is terrible the end is very divisive so go figure it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie um, there is a thing that I'm very curious smiles when you see it I, I hate 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 the camera work in this movie and it pains me to say it because it's from the It Follows DP and I really like that movie a lot well, and that movie has really strong camera work, too. Yeah. Well, so there's a reason for the camera work, the cinematography. But I I think it's one of those things where they thought they were being more clever than they really are. So a lot of times early on, the cameras, the characters' faces are obscured. Like, the, it'll be way too tight on the frame. So what would normally just be just a shot of, like, two characters standing there talking, like, it cuts off, like, three quarters of their face. Oh, so it's just like their noses yelling at each other or something? Sometimes even less. Sometimes like neck up, sometimes chin, like, oh. or sometimes they can't, like, it's just very, like, you can't see their faces, oh, which... I don't like that. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's terrible. Later on, it makes more sense when you get to, like, oh, they're changing before your eyes and all that, but as an early setup, like, oh, we're hinting at what we're doing, it's just, it's aggressively off-putting. Um, and then there is a twist, which... I think you can get it's not really like uh hidden too much and it's not a frustrating one so it's not the problem but i think the main problem is just the screenplay might be one of his worst oh great which is a shame because the the concept works but they run out of things to do very quickly and they become like exposition machines and it's there's just at a certain point you go okay i got it he doesn't have anything more here besides what we're watching and then it has 45 minutes left. But there's some good stuff in it. It's it's right in the middle. I would put it above, like, you know, the obvious bad movies. And right in the middle of the ones where you're like, there's something here. But, you know, not, not as much as I would hope. It strikes me as the kind of movie where if I do see it, I'm probably going to wait till it's available on streaming. I didn't have much yeah. excitement for it in the first place just because I... For me, Shyamalan's misses far outweigh his successes. Um, yep. So unless I hear one of them's like actively amazing, I'm probably not interested in seeing them in theaters anymore. Fair. Um, Ryan's other part to his question, he would like Mount Rush score. Except, only this time, scores from the 2010s. Oh, geez. Uh, okay. I mean, I think I know one off the top of my head, and that's got to be um, Social Network. Oh, that's a good one. Definitely. Rosner and Ross. Uh, um, I'll throw one out there that's one of my favorite scores in recent memory, which is um, Alejandro Desplat for the Grand Budapest Hotel. That's like a score that I find myself humming every now and then, just like apropos of nothing. It's just I so feel catchy. like there'll be a, I think there'll be a Desplat because he also has Tree of Life. 
even though I'm not like aggressively into that. Um, I love Justin Hurwitz, so I'd be happy to do First Man or La La Land. Uh, I would go with La La Land between the two. Fair. Um, what else? Johnny Greenwood? Um, maybe. I mean, we just missed the cut for There Will Be Blood, and I don't know that his late... The master would fall in there, right? I would... I would. Or you would never really hear. I haven't seen that one still. Oh my god, you should watch it. Yeah, I know. I've heard it's amazing. I just haven't gotten around to it. Moonlight or Beale Street could talk for Patel? Oh, uh, Beale Street. I love that score. I do like Eden. I love that track. Um, Make a Levy Under the Skin. I think that's got to be on there. That's a good one. What do we think about Zimmer? Um, are we counting Inception? That's 2010. Um, I guess we could. I, w- I was thinking of Interstellar, but either um, way. Yeah, I mean, they're both good. I, I, it comes down to personal preference, and I've always loved the Inception score. Carter Burwell? Got anything like Carol? Um, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe Carol. I feel like most of his best stuff is in the 90s. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's say Reznor and Ross Social Network is one. Sure. Let's say... That's an agree. Let's say Beale Street, two. Cool. And then I'm open-minded if you guys want a Greenwood or a Desplat or something like that. But I'm going to throw in um, Under the Skin as my pick to be on the four. One other one I see on a list here from IndieWire, uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Dan Romer and Ben Zeitlin. Oh, that is a good one. First Man, A Ghost Story, Daniel Hart. Yeah, I was going to say Ghost Story. Love Ghost Story. The last one could be yours. I'll let you guys have it. Oh, we get to share it, Steve. All right. I mean, you got, well, I mean, technically, if we have Social Network, Under the Skin... We have an everyone and we have a me, so you each can pick one. How about that? I mean, I'm, I'm going Grand Budapest if I get one. All right, so you want Beale Street, Steve, or you want to fight for something else? No, I'm going to go with Ghost Story. Okay, cool. There we go. That was easy. Um, we have one more question that is a, a pretty easy one, but I'll tackle it anyway because we've got this one off of Facebook. Let me pull up who asked it so I can give them credit. Juan Luis Ocharan. Ocharan. He's a friend of mine. Ocharan. All right. Uh, Does the introduction of the Marvel Cinematic Universe have enough appeal to drive Marvel movies for another 10 years? I mean, I'm going to say far more than that, considering comic books have been around for nearly a century. And it's the same template. You build up to a big thing. You have the big thing. You deconstruct and you build back up again. Hmm. I don't think we're going to reach a time where, like, there's not comic book movies anymore. I mean, hypothetically, Marvel could go away, but this type of movie and the MCU is, like, basically what everything wants to be now. So I'd be shocked if it disappeared. It's not one of those things where it's going to go away overnight. There might be, like, there would have to be, like... Because even with, like, the rough stuff of the early days of the DCEU, even that universe has kind of bounced back. And now we've got the Suicide Squad opening next week. Um, 
it's already at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And, you know, like, I I think there would need to be, like, like 10 ultra-shitty ones in a row that are also, like, really anticipated. Or, like, the MCU would have to completely fuck up the next Endgame or something like that. Because I yeah. people have been talking about the bubble bursting and people have been talking about franchise fatigue for a while. But I think as long as we keep getting experimentation within the genre because it's not quite as limiting as like the Western or the musical where they're kind of, they always have to be one thing. Comic book movies, you know, especially the MCU can often fall into a formula, but the characters alone, I mean, I'm not a big fan of it, but if you look at something like Joker, that's doing something completely different within quote unquote, the subgenre. So there's endless potential. It's just a matter of whether people are going to keep developing it so that audiences don't just get bored with it. Mm-hmm. So for something like for Marvel, I think the bubble may be bursting right now, but the bubble will then replenish itself and reform as the new bubble, you know, the next one, because um, you're going to lose a lot of the big characters, the big names that have drawn people in for over a decade now or about a decade now, whatever it is. Um, so you're going to lose audiences and you're going to have people who are going to have a tough time with that transition. But knowing <clears throat> they know how to play the game. So they have a plan i'm sure and it's just going to take a little while for people to attach you know get uh, attached to these new characters uh as for like a dc you know as for overall superhero films i don't see them going anywhere they've been around since you know how many years now 50 years um and they they you know everything goes you know goes through uh phases (laughs) and i think as marvel is figuring out this new phase and the audience is figuring out marvel's new phase uh, maybe DC could step up. Uh, maybe somebody from uh, you know a, a different, more uh, you know less uh, mainstream um, well, like universe an, can an image comics or variant or something like that. Yeah, yeah can start yeah. can start building up slowly. I I, I don't think we're we're going to lose it. I think you're not going to see the same numbers we did. Also, you also, you have the, the change in theaters now. What's going to be the new world for uh, for a real blockbuster? The next Avengers film, the next serious, like, you know, all chips in, <laughs> film, are, are the audiences going to turn out for it? I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, but it'll it'll have a good pulse. Maybe just not at the same rate it has been. Agreed. I mean, we'll see. But I would be very shocked if some sort of sea change happened. Because this type of movie is still sort of the dominant form of entertainment look at like we just said suicide squad reviews it yesterday and uh as you guys have listened to it yesterday and are all wildly enthusiastic so yeah look for a review of that next week when you see Um, films like the original superman they could have kept going but the the creative minds behind it fell apart and didn't deliver it wasn't because the interest wasn't there yeah i mean yeah superman it was the same with batman Keaton. sale of, of who was they made him they turned him into cheap movies and that's where he, yeah three four you know yeah but yeah they were they could have kept going um yeah they batman especially like keaton could have come back for a third one uh val kilmer was asked to continue you know they were they were planning another one with with uh george clooney they're never planning on going away it's just sort of how it goes um I want to spend the rest of the time because we're going to try to make it a little bit shorter today. Um, we can all recharge our batteries and 
go back to the uh, Arm and White game next week. Take a week off from that so we don't get burned out either. And, uh, and just talk about some of the things that we have seen. Steve and I have both seen two of the things. Um, I've seen a different one we can talk about. And, um, yeah, also, what do we have hitting this week? Uh, Stillwater comes out tomorrow. Review is on the site. Interview with Abigail Breslin's on the site. It's pretty good. I don't know that it's an awards movie in the sense of I think it has to be a little bit better. And also, it's just not coming out at the right time. But, you know, there's a much worse version of this movie. It's probably directed by Clint Eastwood. And uh, if it winds up like on the AFI top 10 at the end of the year and starts to show up and threaten, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but <clears throat> the, uh, and also, I will quickly mention very good movie that came out last week called Val, documentary about Val Kilmer, which is mostly shot by Val Kilmer. Like, it's a lot, he was, he apparently was the first person anyone knew, like, to own a video camera just as, like, a fun thing to do. So he was always recording things. So they, they basically pulled from his archives, and I would say 75 to 80% of the movie is shot by him. It's very, very interesting. I recommend it. Yeah, I'm excited to see that one. So let's let's talk about Jungle Cruise for a minute, because that's the one I think we have the least to say about. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I I didn't have any expectations. I thought it looked pretty dumb. But it's not, like, not dumb. But it is a lot of fun. It's, uh... You know what I felt a lot of kinship with? I think it's the best version of Uncharted we're ever gonna get. Including the like actual kind of like, Uncharted movie later this year? Yeah, the one that is, like, young. Yeah. It's, like, young Uncharted, basically. No, this this felt more like that, like, big movie-type adventure, sort of Indiana Jones, but not. They have very good chemistry, Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson. Um... It is like nine movies. It keeps turning into a different movie. But most of them are ones you want to watch. So like at any point where they did something and I went, oh, now I'm going to not like it anymore. It did not change. So um, I think Steve even liked it more than I did. So I'm going to let him talk about it more. But aside from it being too long, it's over two hours, I uh, I dug it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of fun with it. I went in. The key word is fun. And I think that's uh, what people have to keep in mind. If you're going in for a life-changing film, this is not going to be it. I think the mistake they, the mis- main mistakes they made in the film, was trying to inject too much into it and trying to make it bigger than it was. Um, pretty much anything with CGI, everything to do with uh, anything that felt Pirates of the Caribbean esque, I thought was a mistake, um, and it should have stuck more to the Indiana Jones romancing the stone. Because when it was doing that, it was doing great. Um, Agreed. I really wish they would have stuck with a lot more um, practical effects and pra- and and non-digital. You know, I don't know, I know the term. I think it's digital cinemat- cinematography. And if they just stuck with the practical old school approach, it would have served them much better. Because for me, every time they you see a digital camera move, I said, "Okay, this is fake. I'm in a video game. I'm not in the real world." And what worked in the film were the real world elements, the characters, the waterfalls, you know, their interaction, their chemistry. So when you start saying, by the way, here's here's the phoniness, it's uh, it took me out of it. And anything to do with the flower, like I said, anything to do, you know, that magic flower bit, they could have simplified it and had it be, a, a you know, a, 
anything, a, a treasure chest at the end of it. Um, that became a little, that kind of muddied it up a little bit and, and took away some of the fun because I'm like, how much attention do I have to give? In the end, you're probably better off just pretending that it doesn't exist and enjoying all the great parts. Uh, but I did have a lot of fun. My kids liked it, which is important um, because that's half the audience for this. Uh, I would recommend you see it. Just go in and uh, just go into you know to enjoy yourself, and, and you will. If this is not this is not Indiana Jones like caliber though, this is not. It has you know a touches of of those great uh, film franchises, but it's not up uh, up there in the quality. I don't think it's going to be a classic. Yeah. I think it's it's a good no, way to it's, it's a good summer movie. Good way to spend uh, two hours. Yeah, and like listen, Disney does this well mm-hmm. when they do it well. Which is like kind of a back end compliment, but when <clears throat> when they do it right, no one does it quite like they do. And like the like fun capture your imagination, like this is what you as a kid thought like the best movie in the world would be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I uh yeah, definitely both recommending it. <clears throat> Nothing extraordinary. I will say Jesse Plemons is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, uh, definitely having the time of his life as like a World War One German. Yeah. There's there's a lot of fun stuff there, if, and just the the wisecracking between D- Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt is very very good. Mm-hmm. If they kept the focus on uh, on Plemons and removed all of the like I said the CGI, well they based, the, I don't, I don't remember the theme villains. park ride very well, but like there is like a supernatural element to like Jungle Cruise the ride. Yeah, right? I, not really. It's it's actually pretty much a racist element to it. Which they oh, try, touched upon and tried to clean up a little bit. Um, I don't know. There's about 40, 40 minutes that could have been pulled, thirty or forty minutes that could have been pulled, and it could have been focused more on just the character, the, the three characters that really worked, and uh, it would have been a better film. But for what it is, it's a lot of fun. So I'd say go see it for sure. Um, next, we'll talk about another movie that I was also not looking forward to and liked more than I expected to. That's The Green Knight. Um, you know, notoriously, I don't care for Lord of the Rings. Did not watch Game of Thrones. It just looked like that to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if you like that stuff, this is even better. But I, I, I was intrigued um, by the time I sat down. They, they actually, at my screening, my press screen, they handed us a copy of the book, the play, the poem, I'm sorry. And it has a foreword by David Lowry. And it was interesting to listen to him be like, I... I, I mean, I, I was not, like, into it the first time I read it, but something about it, like, captured me, and I came back to it as an adult, and when I wanted to make a sort of a medieval adventure, for some ungodly reason, I thought, maybe I'll do The Green Knight. And I like that kind of, like, I don't know what attracted me to it, but something did, and it kind of flows through the movie in that way. Mm-hmm. It's very modern feeling for a, like, you know, medieval fantasy film. And not necessarily in like the dialogue; they're not plain spoken, but they're not like going hark. You know, there's a there's a weird happy medium that I think lends to you like never being pulled out of the movie because it is long and it does drag here and there. But the first act's pretty good. The setup is is nice, um, and I think people are going to be very into the ending. And the middle is just it's a quest, and uh, all the things about a quest are there. But it's it's so well shot and the and the score is so good and Dev Patel is so like hypnotically watchable that even when there are moments where I'm just like, okay, can we pick it back up a little bit? It never falls like 
away for too long, and that goes that goes that goes a long way, because like if you're if you're like me, you weren't. I'm not gonna say like I wasn't dreading it, but I wasn't looking forward to it in any way. So I was. I guess hesitant is probably the right word. Like, to win me over probably took a lot more than... I'm going to go on limb and be like, Miles is uh, touching himself right now thinking about this movie. <laughs> hey, I turn my mic off just for your guys' benefit, all right? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, like, everything about it Less he's going to be into. Yeah. You know, it's it, there's, there's just there's something about doing it well enough that whether you're into the idea or not, it works. Like... Mm-hmm. To be tr- to be totally fair, this movie is going to have a lot of trouble in, in wide release, and I think it's like coming out in more theaters than you would expect. Like it's not a two thousand theater release, but um, like it's playing more locally than I thought. And your average like, oh, let's go see this movie person is going to hate it. Yes, like not have any idea what to do with the movie. But for anyone who's like I. I like the A24 brand very much an A24 movie. Yeah. In the same way that I think Neon is like creating a brand where like almost everything they put out falls under the umbrella of like, okay, this makes sense. This is their taste. Like this is definitely A24's taste. And, you know, by and large, I appreciate that. So I was pleasantly surprised. I, I won't doubt Dave Lowry again. I know who I'd recommend this to and I know who I would not recommend this to. Um, exactly. Unfortunately, probably more, more of the latter than the former. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, that's the case. But um, I highly recommend it. I thought uh, the whole journey was cap- captivating. I didn't know going in. I really didn't know anything. Um, and so as this journey, as this quest continues, it was unfolding for me completely on screen with no expectations other than Dad Patel and, and, and Lowry. Um but it unfolds for you, and it was. I, I just loved it. Every scene was something different, different characters, and I had to sit there and, and listen as he's learning and as he's exploring and figuring out this uh, unknown world in front of him. So was I, and I thought that was great. Uh, you know, a personal uh, relationship to the film or experience, but it really worked. Um, when it comes to the look, the cinematography, uh, the use of what I believe was natural light for most of it. Uh, was incredible. The costumes are insane, and the woodwork throughout this. If you just keep watching, even on the, there's puppets, and they, they look like they're hand carved and painted. The the woodwork and on the uh, the beds and this and the all the rooms and pretty much everywhere throughout is uh, just masterful. And you wonder what uh, how much of that was true woodwork because that's an old craft, and to do that is and to do it so well is. Uh, something that seems to be a, a lost art. So it's, it's beautiful to see it here. Um, what I felt kind of, it felt like to me was kind of like an adult version of the never ending story with heavier, more, you know, more adult themes, but it kind of gave me the same feeling. I went into that as a kid knowing nothing and you're watching this, you know, this, there was a boy here. It's a man travel across these unknown uncharted territories and uh, it, there's a sense of awe and I, that, it, that it delivers. And at the same time, it's very heavy and there's a lot of a symbolism and there's a lot more going on. So afterwards, I think this is going to be a film that people are going to enjoy. We'll be able to sit down and discuss and see several times over and take away uh, 
take away mortgage time. And for sure, uh, you know, for me, like I said, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I said this, but the whole Arthurian, you know, story, uh, whatever you want to call it, is is not my cup. Not my cup of tea. I enjoy it, but it kind of have it's more of like a blurry spot for me. It's not a blind spot. So I didn't know anything about this going in about this. I didn't even know that it truly was connected to that. Um, yeah, no, you and they don't tell you that really. Yeah. You're never gonna unless you know you're watching King Arthur and Guinevere. Um, you will never know because Sean Harris plays Arthur as like a dying old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and same thing. Like you were saying, symbolism. Like, yeah, there's a lot of like Catholicism and stuff into it that not my bag, but it doesn't impair your enjoyment. It's just another like thing where you're mm-hmm. like. Oh, okay. They're talking about that also, but it's never. Um, it's all very much subtext, never text. But even the pauses, I, I enjoyed. There's a word I keep using for films I like: patient. Um, and that's it's, it's similar with Pig. I found Pig was patient, and I find the movies. And that's it, my if you take my criticism of of uh, of Jungle Cruise, it's it's not patient. It feels like it has to fill in every second. Take a breath. Yeah. Let let us take it all in. The acting, Patel is insanely good in this. Um, hit probably the best of his career. The uh, the art direction, the cinematography. This film lets you watch it and lets you lets you sit sit in and look around the screen. I found myself doing that too. There's one shot of him when he finally leaves his you know, town or whatever you want to call that uh, fortress, but he's on a road heading toward you, and there's children following him. Like he's the new hero, and in the background is this castle fortress whatever the term is for it and i just sat there just taking it all and looking at that whole you know that shot and and uh exploring it with my eyes and and trying to figure out the story more of the story as it unfolds just through the visuals and there's time to do that it's not a ton of dialogue um but the dialogue too is something that i think you can break apart there's one uh monologue in there about the color green which I need uh, an English lit <laughs> uh, major to sit down and, and break down for me a little bit more, but I was kind of captivated by that. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, we're going to talk about it more next week, I think, because Miles will probably have seen it by then. If Ryan's back on, I'm sure he'll have seen he's seen it. So we will get back to The Green Knight. All, but I want to... Uh, all I'll say about uh, both, I had no interest in Jungle Cruise. I'm honestly surprised that it's been getting as good reviews as it has been, so I might give it a whirl. Uh, but Green Knight has been one of the movies I've been most looking forward to both last year and this year. So I'm thrilled. This weekend. To, uh, so yeah, hopefully this weekend. Um, and then, um, so yeah, the fact that Green Knight and The Suicide Squad are coming out within a week of each other, and they're two of my most anticipated films of the year... It's going to be a good week. <laughs> so I, th- I think you I'm can go into the high expectations. I don't think you have to go in and, and be worried that people are building it up. I think the people who are going to love this are going to love it. And I, Joe came in on the fence and and, and leaned toward enjoying it. Um, but I think you're going to really get a kick out of it. Yeah, I'm actually really like, interested oh, to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, we'll get we'll get back to it next week. Um, something we'll wrap up with is a film I've seen you guys haven't that we'll talk about more once you've seen it. Um, is Annette. The opening film of the Cannes Film Festival was uh, supposed to be a Cannes last year. And uh, it's a big swing. I will, I will, I will give it that. I, I, I don't 
I don't think I liked it. Like, it's definitely one where you have to take your time afterwards and contemplate. But, first of all, it's about two hours and 20 minutes. With a plot that would uh, probably be able to be done in a half hour. So that's that's not great. <laughs> um, some like it's just interesting, like Adam Driver playing a like he's a comedian, but I don't really understand his act. And and Marion Cotillard is sort of wasted. There, some of the stuff is great. Um, the ambition of it all, occasionally like a song moment. But so many of the songs, and I think this is, from what I've heard, a kind of a, a Sparks things, a thing more than than anything else. Like, it's very repetitive. So there aren't any, um, but not in an earworm kind of way. Just in a, like, we harp on the same sentence or title more so than, you know, it's because it's, so, the easiest way to explain this is it's a rock opera. In, like, the Tommy mold or, you know, however you want to think of your favorite rock opera. But it was designed to be one as, like, a concept album, and now it's a movie. But there was never a concept album, and there was never, like, a rock opera musical to go see first before they made the film. And it feels like they're adapting something that's not already there is sort of the easiest way I can explain it. It's not – there's nothing to grab onto. Like, it really does feel like it was meant for the Sparks Brothers and uh, Leo's Carrick's, and that's about it. So I'm, I'm, I mean, good on Amazon for being like, will, like either, I don't remember if they paid for it or they just acquired it, but let's talk about a movie that I have no idea who it's for. It's this movie. Like, I, I, I think the reviews were even a little kind, which is interesting. But I don't know, what are you guys thinking of it just on the outside of only having seen the trailer and sort of knowing the, uh, the people involved? I gotta say, I'm glad it's on Amazon because otherwise it would probably slip through the cracks and be one of those films that five years from now I said I never ended up getting around to it. So knowing that it's coming out, I think uh, mid-August on Amazon, uh, definitely got my attention. I'll be queuing it up, but uh, I don't know. I, I like the idea, but I'm just gonna go in with managed expectations and, and hope for the best. Fair enough, Miles. Um, yeah, I mean, I really love the trailer. I really like the idea of it. I love the director. Um, Joey, you and I are big fans of Holy Motors. Um, so uh, going into it, I had that going for it. And obviously, Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard. I'm not surprised to hear that Marion Cotillard's wasted because I feel like that's a lot of her more mainstream work that tends to happen, which is really unfortunate because she's so talented. Um, a lot of the early word I've heard is that Adam Driver's performance is the main highlight. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. how accurate that is, but, um, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's, I haven't seen the Sparks Brothers documentary yet, so I don't, I don't have any real familiarity with them as musicians. Um, it, it's hard to say because I love a big swing of a movie, even when it doesn't always necessarily work, but musicals, I can be really fickle with even at the best of times like there are musicals that people absolutely love that i cannot stand so what are some uh oh i wish i'd had something else top of my head like i don't like i've never liked west side story which is why i don't care about the new one um like stuff like that mostly from the older era of uh musicals um but i don't know or like um 
I love the musical of Les Miserables, but I hated the recent movie version. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I want to like it. I going in wanting to like it for sure. But um, I'm also sort of bracing to be a little disappointed by it. Yeah. And when it's when it's out, where everyone's seen it, we'll talk about it more and we'll get a little more into it. But there's just there's a lot of choices that are almost antithetical to making someone enjoy the film. And like, that's fine. Again, Holy Motors, not mainstream or commercial or really interested in your entertainment at all, but was wildly enjoyable. And this is uh, this is not. So more on it soon. Um, right before we go, I want to quickly talk about the King Richard trailer that came out yesterday. Because I, uh, I've talked to someone who's seen it and they think it's going to be a Best Picture nominee. Um, you can refer to my recently updated predictions to see where I have it and where I have Will Smith and such. But uh, it's just interesting that right after we kind of trashed the director on Joe Bell, rightly so, we finally get a look at King Richard, and it and it looks it looks pretty pretty damn sturdy. So I want to sort of wrap up on what you guys think, and then we'll call it a we'll call it a podcast. Steve, either one of you first. Yeah, Steve, I, you go first. I have to watch it. I didn't see it yet. All right, Steve can go second. Steve, go watch the trailer. Right. Miles, talk for two Here minutes. Here we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, I literally just watched it before we started recording. Um, it, it looks better than I was expecting. I think Will Smith is going to be very good in it, and I could easily see him getting nominated for it. Uh, it's It's got very strong Pursuit of Happiness vibes for me, uh, which is not a bad thing. And I think when he does commit to these sort of quieter drama-type movies, uh, it can work really well. I'm still not sold on the overall concept of doing a movie about the Williams sisters from the perspective of their dad, I think mm. you could very easily have a movie about them where he gives a very, you know, compelling supporting performance, but in grounding the story about him and sort of implying that all of their success is actually because of him kind of puts a weird taste in my mouth. And maybe the movie will address that. It looks better than I thought it sounded on paper for sure, but I'm still, I'm not sold on it from a conceptual level. Yeah, no, it could. Uh, my my suspicion is that it's less about them in terms of him, and more sort of about the the relationship between the three of them, as opposed to like a biopic. But it could go either way. Yeah, it's definitely an odd. Well, and it goes an back odd... to what we were talking about last week with Joe Bell, which is also a story where the character that the story should be about is kind of off on the sidelines, and it's all about the dad. Yeah, well, here's what I'll, I'll say, and we'll tie it into something else we we missed because it came out after we recorded last week, which is the uh, the trailer for the last duel. Whereas that's another one where you go, the uh, the concept, I, I can I, I have an issue with it, um, though apparently um, was it Matt Damon on Mark Marin said that. He and Matt Damon wrote the the male characters, and Nicole Hall of Center wrote the female characters. Yeah, I saw that. I also saw maybe it was the same interview. He mentioned that they wrote it kind of in a Rashomon style, where it's going to be like we're going to get three different sides of the same story, um, and that could potentially be a bit more of an interesting way of tackling it. Because yeah, I, I had definitely some reservations about you know a rape story from the men's perspective. Um, Man, they are they are taking some big swings with the facial hair in that movie, aren't they? Yeah, that that's if it's good. And and granted, I think it looked good. The trailer looked care. a lot better than I my expectations were going in. 
Yeah, no, if I told you that Ridley Scott is making this movie and then showed you those pictures and that was the only details you'd be like, oh, crap. Like, oh, boy. But, yeah, the trailer, the trailer looks pretty good. It, and, it could definitely be something. I'm hoping that Jodie Comer, as sort of the wife at the center of everything, isn't kind of shunted off to the side. Like, the more we get her perspective on things and the more she plays a sort of central role, I think that will just reflect better on the movie as a whole if she's yeah, allowed that think, sort of spotlight. And my complete guess about it all is that that is the case, give or take the edit. <clears throat> so I'm... My guess, and this is just me guessing, I have no inside information on this, and if I did, I wouldn't tell you, is that they wrote, you know, each of them has a third of the movie, essentially, in your Rashomon style, and it'll come down to how much Ridley Scott, you know, shaves down one or the other. Because there could be a world in which she's shunted off to the side, but I think especially the fact that they had, essentially, we're recruiting a great screenwriter to join us, to make sure that doesn't happen and that she is fully thought out and like this isn't in any way hopefully problematic that if it if there is an ultimate issue i i suspect it could fall at the feet of ridley scott but i don't know we'll see i i think it looks good i think it should go back up higher in people's predictions for now because if done well god does the academy like a thing like that yeah but also what is what is ridley scott's track record with these things gladiator and that's it like he's done I mean, so with that many, type of movie, yeah. He's he's done so many of this type of movie, and like Gladiator and like the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven are kind of the only positives you can put in that direction. But if it is good, it would be interesting to see a narrative of like, what if the director Oscar comes down to like, do we give it to PTA finally? Do we give it to Ridley Scott finally? Like, I'm I'm interested in that potential narrative too. Sure. Or David yeah. O. Russell as well could be in the, that. No, nope. delayed till next year. Oh, has it been? I didn't know that. Yes. So that's the next update. This looks good, uh, but it's so many of these fall apart so quickly. Um, I'm disinterested by the halfway point. So, you know, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. But with a cast, and I, I like the, you know, the, the Rashomon approach is interesting. I think the, the last third is going to be her perspective. And that's going to have everything unfold in a slightly twisty way. That's going to be some big reveal, and uh, and and put the the bow on a on a well wrapped present. Uh, but maybe, again, maybe. just speculation. Yep. So wrap us up with King Richard. King Richard. Uh, not my type of trailer. Hmm. If I, I reading the description, I'm interested. The trailer is trying too hard, which I often find is what Will Smith does. So, uh, you know, with the music and the, uh, how much of the story do I need? Give me a, give me a little bit less and make me think this is a smaller film. I think this is going to be, uh, on the melodramatic side. I'm hoping it's not, um, if expectations are, are there, you know, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I'll, I'll go in and be fair. So I'm going to trust that this is going to be good. I'll see it and we'll see how it turns out. I do like the idea of, of learning more about them, though, uh, and learning yeah. about him because it's inter- an interesting story for some world-class athletes. Oh, yeah. Well, all we can do is wait, and uh, that one is a full release, so there is some waiting to go. Um, yeah, just to confirm quickly, uh, Canterbury Glass, or whatever it is called by David O. Russell, seems like it is a next-year film, and there's a whole bunch of others that are 
rumored to be next year films that we shall see. Though I saw it listed by someone that The Whale was potentially one, and I'm pretty sure they're, they shot that one and finished like at least like a month or two ago. Stands the reason there would be enough time. But it's an A24, I think, which I didn't realize either. So maybe they just, their dance card's full. Well, yeah, know, or maybe say. they'll just decide, actually, this would play better as like a spring or summer release. Yeah, I mean, it depends on if they think it's got awards prospects or not. Right. But if it does, I still have it doing well. I actually believe I have Brendan Fraser winning actor right now. But we'll see. I'd love to Talk see Talk about it. Big Swing. Yeah, exactly. And Sino Man too. <laughs> I mean, the jokes would be there. So let's uh, let's call it a day. Uh, next week we'll hit more topics, and we'll get back to the game next week. But, uh, yeah, Miles, uh, say where you can be followed and uh, wrap us up whatever you want to wrap up with. Oh, no. I hate it when you throw me these, like, do whatever <laughs> you want. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Here, you want you want to you want to be uh, yeah, give reined me, in. Give me give me something. You, Thirty seconds on the new Dune TV, uh, trailer. Oh yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, I like the first trailer a little bit better, but it still looks great, and uh, I absolutely cannot wait. It's still my number <clears> one <throat> most anticipated movie of the year, <clears throat> and um, even if it doesn't make nearly enough money to get back to get that sequel, which. Honestly, back when it was going to get a December release last year and they could kind of position it as like the Star Wars or the Avatar or even the Aquaman style like final event film of the year, that was kind of its best chance at getting the budget it needs for the sequel. So and through nobody's fault because of COVID and everything, it now kind of lost that and now just somewhere in the end of October with like the Eternals right around the corner and a bunch of other stuff on either side of it, I think it's going to struggle which is a shame because I think it might be very, very great, but it'll be frustrating to not get the the second half of the book. Yeah, I mean, depending on where they cut this movie off, I think people are going to be very frustrated because I'm... Honestly, at this point, I would be surprised if you get the sequel. I, it's looking like a movie that somehow makes, like, $30 million and was expecting, like, 330 Wow. All we can do is hope. Yeah, we'll see. Steve... All right, I'm Steve. You can find me on Twitter at and Letterboxd at FilmSnork. To find some more of my work, you can find me on Awards Radar. You check out the podcast section where you can find the verse which I produced and created. It's a trip into the cinematic universes. I think you'll enjoy it. Four different perspectives plus a killer robot. And I say killer in both uh, the quotes and non-quotes. So uh, check it out, the verse at Awards Radar. Awesome. Yeah, and you can follow me at Joey Maggotson on all of your uh, social media channels. Also follow Awards Radar on those same channels. That's, again, not me, but every so often it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll be back next week. I'll just wrap up by saying I, um, a couple days ago, got to hang out with Mike Piazza. And as a Met fan, uh, I'm dead now, so you're talking to my ghost. What? I'd, I'd never have guessed. It's a Shyamalan-style twist. Some of his uh, responses today were not the strongest, so must be the ghost. Um... Ghosts can still fire people, you know. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, everyone, uh, be safe. If you're uh, not vaccinated, what's wrong with you? Uh, And uh, get it so we can, in fact, see you at the movies. Take care.
Bye, everybody. Feel better, Bob Odenkirk. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.